Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to GEICO. GEICO could help you get great coverage at a great price. And it only takes 15 minutes to see if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today and see how much you could save. Remember to request your absentee ballot. For more information, visit IamAVoter.com. Ananobi, catch and shoot. Down the bottom of the well for OG Ananobi. You better stop OG. Series on the line. Ananobi got it open. It goes. OG Ananobi buries a triple at the buzzer. OG, you better stop OG. I have seen it all. When I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. Still giving me chills even as I watch it again for like the hundredth time. Welcome into the jump. I'm George Sedano filling in for our fearless leader, Rachel Nichols. Joining me today are Amino Hassan, our front office insider, and the great Hall of Famer, Jackie McMullen. Thank you guys for joining me. Coming up, should we expect an MVP performance Hello. from Giannis in Game 3 versus the Heat today? We'll discuss that a little later. But first, we have to get back to the incredible finish between the Celtics and Raptors last night. Boston thought they had the game won when Kemba Walker dropped an absolute dime to Daniel Tice, who had the dunk there to give the Celtics a two-point lead with a half a second left. But as we all know how this movie ends now, you see it there. Mm. OG Ananobi, the big shot, a perfect pass from Kyle Lowry. So Jackie Mack, did the Raptors snatch back the series' momentum after nearly falling behind three games to none. I think so. Listen, the difference between a two to one series and three to nothing is everything. Absolutely everything. And this is a Toronto team that, by the way, wasn't lacking in confidence to begin with. Now you've given them life, hope, and momentum. And I think the Celtics, it was, a, it was a miscommunication on a rotation out of the zone defense. I think people will be arguing whether they should have been in the zone. But communication with these young guys, that was the difference. Lack of communication. They, the Celtics better win this series. Or they'll be hearing about this game for the rest of the fall. I mean, and into Christmas. Yeah, no, Jack, Jackie's right. You know, I was talking with our producer Danny before the show today, and I said, sometimes the series score can obfuscate what the actual intensity of the competition is. What I mean by that is, you know, it was a close game two that Toronto had a chance to win and they lost. You lose, a you lose a close game three, all of a sudden you're down 3 0. It sounds like, oh my God, we're nowhere near as good as this team. Rather than, oh, we had an opportunity to be up 2 1 ourselves in this series. Well, you get this win, now you're down 2 1, but you're giving yourself an opportunity because if you had gone down 3 0, that's it. The oxygen has left the building. We might as well start packing because, as we know, it's never happened in NBA history, a team going down 3-0 and still winning. Yeah, it would have been 1-2-3 Cancun or 3-2-1 Cancun, however you want to describe it at that yeah. particular point for Toronto. Let's put that graphic back up, though, if we can real quick because the tale of the two halves I thought was interesting. And, you know, Jackie, we'll start with you. The three-point shooting has been pretty poor for Toronto, who is normally a good three-point shooting team. Uh, they shot 23% in the first half, which was somewhat on par with what they had shot in the first two games at 27% through two games. But in that second half, 44%. That's more like what we've seen for Toronto, his, at least throughout this particular season. 
Well, and the, the Celtics have a great three-point defense they have throughout the regular season and once they got inside the bubble. But great shooters find a way to get open and great shooters eventually get rhythm. Just like guys who hit a whole bunch of shots, they regress back to their means. To, to me, the biggest stat, George, was in this game was transition points. If the, if the Raptors get transition points, they're going to usually have a good chance at winning. It was 14-2 to two in fast-break baskets in this game. You know, it's, it's funny, George. Uh, I know you asked about the three-pointers. I keep thinking about those last two plays, the Kemba Walker pass to Daniel Tice and then obviously the Lowry pass to OG Ananobi. I didn't think the defense was terrible. I thought that was like a split-second thing where you got to help and you also got to go out and recover. And I thought both offenses did a great job of kind of hiding where they were going with it and then getting their guy in the last second. And when you look at that shot OG Ananobi put up, he didn't get a nice, comfortable catch and shoot. He barely touched the ball. So uh, the bunch of people who are kind of questioning and second-guessing what Brad Stevens did or even what Nick Nurse did on the other end, I thought it was kind of silly. These are two great defenses that got beat by better offense. But to your point, I mean, I would say that, you know, the comfortable catch and shoot has been a problem for Toronto in this series. Uncontested three-point shots, 27% through two games. And yesterday, mm -hmm. they were able to nail a lot of those shots, Big uncontested number. or contested. What did you see that was different, though, in regards to their three-point shooting other than just making it? Was there anything different? We have a segment on this show, George, called what? It's a make-or-miss league. And what, what that's talking about, a lot of people say, what does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> it means that when you're talking about the highest caliber of shooters in the game, or, which is what we have when you look at the global basketball playing audience, you're talking about sometimes the defense has nothing to do with whether you made or missed a shot. And the reality is the best three-point defenses in the NBA aren't the ones that hold their opponent to low percentages. They're the ones that don't let the other team even shoot the three. That's the best three-point defense is a lack of attempts not a lack of percentage. All right, let's move on. Let's shift gears to game one of the Nuggets and Clippers series. The game was tied at 31 after the first quarter, but then L.A. outscored Denver by 18 in the second quarter and really never looked back after that. So, Amin, was last night's 23-point blowout more about fatigue for the Nuggets coming off a seven-game series or just a bad matchup here with the Clippers? Well, it's definitely both, but fatigue was definitely more in play here. And you saw it. You saw how they went from the beginning of the game where it's competitive and they're going back and forth, and then the Clippers building that separation. You could sense the fatigue. You could sense the, the weary legs. Going seven games in a very pressure-packed series. By the way, there weren't a whole lot of blowouts where we sat our best players for the last 15 minutes of the game happening in that series between Denver and Utah. So that was a lot of effort. Uh, expended not only to come back from 3-1 down, but also within each one of those victories was a hard-fought victory. Meanwhile, the Clippers have just been sitting around resting and waiting. This is definitely more a case of fatigue, but also it's not a great matchup either. I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, and, and you mentioned the fatigue, you mentioned the physical fatigue, but I think there's a great emotional fatigue too after you win a big game seven like that. And then you don't even have a chance to enjoy it because it, within hours you're already in the film room looking yeah. over the Clippers and how can we stop Kawhi Leonard, which is, by the way, you can't. That's Jeez. the answer. So I think, I think the emotional fatigue has as much to do with it as the physical fatigue. And, and Jamal Murray was asked to do in the last of the series, but I just keep looking at Jokic. I keep looking at Jokic. They're, the Nuggets are at their best, not when Murray scores 50, although that was really fun. But it's when the two of them are running their pick and roll to perfection. That's when they have a chance at being at the best.
I do think the fatigue part, as you mentioned, Jackie, both physical and emotional played a part. And nothing was a better example of that than in the post-game interview after Game 7. This is when I knew the Nuggets were in trouble for Game 1. Here's Jamal Murray with our Scott Van Pelt. Between now and Thursday, what do you do? We play Thursday? You yeah. get two days off? No. <laughs> no. No, it's Thursday. Man. Um... <laughs> right there. That's when I knew, uh-oh, awesome. it may be a tough one for uh, the Nuggets against the Clippers, Jackie. <laughs> No, yeah, I think that's fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, it's out of genuine <laughs> shock. Yeah. He was genuinely like, pardon me? Wait, wait, I'm sorry, did you say Thursday? <laughs> Excuse him, what? Uh, all right, coming up next, <laughs> Steve Nash is hiring as the new head coach of the Knicks, sent shockwaves through the league, but is he ultimately the right coach for KD and Kyrie and the rest of that Brooklyn roster? We're going to discuss this after a quick break. The Jump is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Get your Michelob Ultra courtside tickets by tweeting hashtag Ultra Courtside. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Remember to request your absentee ballot. For more information, visit IamAVoter.com. It's time for this week's Ultra Moment, brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Jokic finding Murray. Murray, does he got another one in him? Oh, you bet he does! And that might be the dagger! Wow! Wow! Six to shoot. Butler sizes up Hill, and he hits again! He is putting Miami on his back. And the Celtics extend their lead. Marcus Smart with four fourth-quarter three-pointers. It's incredible. Fun guy, what's up, baby? What it do, baby? <laughs> make, miss. It's a make-or-miss league, baby. Let's see. Make punctuality. Last minute of the third, Robert Williams checks in and immediately gets an and-one dunk here. Check this out. Nice. I mean, is that impressive Ooh. timing by the Time Lord? Yeah, man. He's been he's making himself a little bit of a name in these playoffs with a great field goal percentage out there, and he's been protecting the rim. He's active. Maybe he's the missing big Boston's been looking for this whole time. Jackie, they've been, they're big fans of his. Yep, the big... Well, yes, and I think it was just earlier in the year he had trouble with some of the defensive rotations, George. I think he's got that down now. Obviously, a super big, athletic, lively body. They need that. Next, Miss Hope. Kawhi dropped an easy 29 points on 12 of 16 shooting. He pretty much got any shot he wanted here, Jackie. Is it time to just double Kawhi if you're the Denver Nuggets, maybe triple him? 
Listen, I, every time I ask coaches about double teaming, they say you can't double team great players anymore because they have great court vision, they'll make you pay. You know what? Don't double them all the time, but I'm still gonna take my chances. Get the ball out of Kawhi. Tom Habistro tweeted this stat today that Kawhi shooting 80% in the playoffs. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. 80% on field goal attempts from 10 to 14 feet. That's around that free throw line area. Yeah, I think hope is abandoned at this point. Yeah, that is 80. pretty wild. 80%. 80%. That is just mind-boggling. That's a big number. Yeah, that's wild. Make pain. Brad Wanamaker goes baseline here. And he catches Kyle Lowry below the belt with a high knee. After the game, Lowry said, quote, Obviously, I have balls of steel. Amin, impressed, Can you say that? impressed by his toughness? Yeah, like what kind of cup is he wearing? That's pretty amazing. Also, <laughs> I just, wait, I got word right now. Oklahoma City wants to acquire Brad Wanamaker. Chris Paul <laughs> wants him as an understudy. Whoa, Danny Ainge, pick up the phone. <laughs> oh. I, I very rarely feel out of my element when I'm talking about NBA stuff, <laughs> but when it comes to balls of steels, I'm sorry, I must defer. No problem, what Jackie. What can I tell you? Totally understood. I must defer. Miss panic. Uh, For the fourth time in the bubble, Kemba hit a buzzer beater at the end of a quarter. Jackie, how is he doing this? It's incredible. You know, Kemba told me once he was so small growing up, he had to learn that quick crossover and that great step back. And by doing so, it got him the separation he needs to hit big shots. He does this in his sleep. This is nothing new for Kemba. Nothing new. And again, if not for an OG on an OB player, we're talking about that Kemba Walker look away pass to Daniel Tice for the game when you're done. Yeah, he is incredible down the stretch of games. He's been that way really since, you know, we first laid eyes on him in college for sure. Since forever. Next, make. Since Rice High School. Well, that's true. Excellent point. Make denials. Offensively, MPJ has looked impressive in the bubble, but last night he tried to dunk on Trez and it just didn't go so well. I mean, Porter Jr. finally getting his welcome to the NBA moment here. Yeah, you know, after he had a nice couple of quick, nice games in the bubble, he's come back down to earth. He's realizing, oh, when I start to play every day, they have a scouting report, and they're not going to let me get these shots, and it's not as easy as I thought. So that's why I always say preaching patience with Michael Porter Jr. He's going to be great one day. That day is not today. And you know what? Can we just give him a little slack? Think about the, ar the arduous journey he's been through, was not part of the rotation, comes in, plays in some bubble games. Everyone now notices him and they've got all the eyes on him. I'm giving this kid a pass. I'm with you, Jackie. So nice, Jackie. I, 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 think, you, I think you could be both right. I'm, I'm with Jackie more on this, but look, Michael Porter Jr., for the Denver Nuggets to take that leap we expect them to take, it's going to be a lot on Michael Porter Jr.'s shoulders, particularly offensively moving forward so but let's move forward ourselves with some news outside of the NBA bubble on Thursday the Nets signed two-time MVP Steve Nash as their new head coach this was a surprise move given that Nash doesn't have any previous head coaching experience and there are very high expectations for this team next season so I mean you worked with the Suns during the Nash era do you think that he's the right coach for this particular Brooklyn Nets team not just the Nash era, but Sean Marks was with us for two years, too. So I know both of these guys pretty well. Um, you, you know, it's, 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 he definitely brings attributes and traits that I think are unique to this situation. So the X's and O's are beyond question. He's one of the greatest basketball minds we've ever had in this game. 
And what separates him from a lot of other great players, he's got a great way of verbalizing it, of making things simple so that people can understand and see what he sees. A lot of great players don't have that trait. But the other part, I think this is the thing that's gonna separate him pretty much from every one of the other coaching candidates. Steve Nash is a different dude. He's got interests outside of basketball. This game is not his life. He's not confined in a box. And we talk about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two superstars who pride themselves on being different dudes, on who fashion themselves as intellectuals, as having interests outside of basketball. That's why Steve is the right guy for the job. The X's and O's, you can argue one way or another, but the ability to connect with someone who's just very different from your standard average NBA player, or even NBA star, that's the part that's gonna make a difference. And, and here's the thing, does it matter whether we think he's the right guy for the job? I hate to break it to all of us, no, it doesn't. What matters is, does Kyrie, actually in this order, does KD and Kyrie, can they agree that he's the right man for the job? And Sean Marks knows him, has, has history with him. All of this makes sense to me. I, I can't help but compare Steve Nash to Steve Kerr, the man he's been consulting with the Golden State Warriors and, and who he knows very well, because I, the, the man you just uh, described to me, I think that fits Steve Kerr's description as well. Another guy who came in without coaching experience. Although I guess Steve Nash was probably a little better player. We'd give him that. Right? By, by the way, on that point, George, I want to jump in here. I, I understand what Stephen A. Smith was saying yesterday today and there is a conversation that needs to be had about race and hiring practices in this league and really across the country however in this game in basketball we have traditionally given superstars the Disneyland fast pass to cut the line we did it for magic for the president job we did it for Jason Kidd for the coaching job in Brooklyn we did it for Isaiah Thomas coming uh, taking over the Toronto Raptors we've done it time and we did it for Larry Bird going to Indiana we've done it time and time again and that's the thank you that we give to the superstars. Our game is built on them. The only reason any of us have jobs is because superstars make this game possible. So speaking as someone who worked in the league and had to go the long route, uh, starting an intern and video coordinator, et cetera, et cetera, working my way up, I understand that superstars don't have to take that path. You know why? Because they already did it when they carried this league on their shoulders. Well, and to that point, I do think the relationship part of this matter, as you guys alluded to, right? And there is a strong bond there, particularly, as Jackie mentioned, between KD and Steve Nash, right? I mean? Absolutely. You know, people say Steve has no coaching experience. That's false. He's been in Golden State. He worked with guys on the floor. He worked with guys in the film room, specifically Kevin Durant. If you've ever been to a Warriors game and you've seen Kevin Durant do weird kind of warm-up shots where he does a squat on one leg, comes back up and shoots it without ever putting the other leg down, those are all from the Steve Nash warm-up stuff. These are all things that Kevin Durant, at the top of his game, an MVP, a finals MVP, looked at Steve Nash and said, you can teach me more. And that's such a huge part about this is that the idea that these players, like Jackie said, uh, Durant and Kyrie, look at Steve Nash as someone who can teach them more, not just a caretaker, not a guy who puts them in the right position, someone who can teach them more about the secrets of this game. And ultimately, that's what it's about. It's that respect back there. One last thing, when people talk about player empowerment, this is player empowerment. It's not what, getting you what you want as a viewer or a broadcaster or a former player. It's what these players want. This is player empowerment in, in basically manifesting itself. 
I think, too, it's important to mention here that Sean Marks really liked Jacques Vaughn, really wanted, if he couldn't get Steve Nash, to give Jacques Vaughn this head coaching job. Jacques Vaughn remains on the staff. And I can tell you, I remember when Larry Bird took over that job that you mentioned. I mean, he wanted Rick Carlisle by mm -hmm. his side, someone that, and Dick mm -hmm. Harder, people that had been there before, veteran coaches. And Jacques Vaughn has been a head coach on two different occasions. And so he's going to be Absolutely. very valuable to Steve Nash. And it's smart to keep him there. And Jacques Vaughn has become the highest paid assistant now after this hiring of Steve Nash. Jackie, I do have one quick question about Kyrie. We've spent uh, a number of minutes here talking about the relationship with Kevin Durant and Steve Nash. Can he forge a relationship with Kyrie? What needs to happen for him to forge a relationship with Kyrie that maybe some other coaches haven't been able to you know, forge with him? Well, he's already at a distinct advantage because Kyrie cares about ballers. And Steve Nash was a two-time MVP, a, a slam dunk uh, Hall of Famer. And Kyrie is a student of the game. He knows that. I'm sure he's watched film with Steve Nash. Steve Nash is already light years ahead of coaches that he's had that didn't play. Now, I, I think you can be a great coach without playing the game. We have plenty of evidence of that. But it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what Kyrie thinks. All right, let's move George, on. George, every, every player that runs pick and roll in this league has watched Steve Nash tape. Every pick and roll point guard in this league has watched Steve Nash tape. All right, let's move on here. Here's what the jump recommends for today. Zach Lowe, our buddy, writes about the massive opportunity that James Harden has against the Lakers to rewrite his entire postseason reputation. Head over to the ESPN app to read it during this quick break because we're going to be breaking down that series coming up next. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. Remember to request your absentee ballot. For more information, visit IamAVoter.com. I'm here for one goal, and that's to win a championship. A well-rested Lakers team. So what are you anticipating about that matchup? Superstar power. Yeah, I make what I say. I hop on the mic and stab I achieve more than most. Imagine. Manifest what I want. Imagine. How to get this far. Imagine. How to get it from the fall. That's magic. How to turn into a song. Imagine. Let me get to the point. I'm magic. Tonight, game one of the Western Conference semis between the Rockets and Lakers at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific on ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. Welcome back to The Jump. Amin and Jackie Mack still with us here. We're only five hours and change away from tip-off between the Houston Rockets and the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Lakers haven't played since Saturday. Meanwhile, the Rockets have just 48 hours to regroup after being taken to the brink by the OKC Thunder in a seven-game slugfest. Jackie, are you more or less confident in the Rockets after their play in the first round? Well, there's one portion of the Rockets that I'm much more confident about, and that's their defense, George. Who would have guessed that the Houston Rockets would be the answer to the question who had the best defensive rating in a series in the bubble so far? 
that was the answer for the Houston Rockets. I still have some concerns about James Harden and for that matter, Russell Westbrook in terms of how they manage uh, in crunch time, can they close the deal? You know, Zach Lowe has a wonderful story about Harden um, on our site today. And one of the things he talked about was elimination games. James Harden in those games averaged over five turnovers a game. People are so focused on his shooting. I'm more focused on, can you take care of the ball for both of those guys? Yeah, you know, George, uh, what Jackie said is absolutely correct. Defensively, they've been fantastic, and they've managed to play bigger than what their size is. The, uh, now, it's going to go two different ways against the Lakers. On the one hand, Anthony Davis is way more talented than Steven Adams, so stopping him is a lot harder. On the other hand, we've seen Anthony Davis kind of fall in love with his mid-range, mid-post game, and that kind of plays into what Houston wants to do defensively. So I think one of the things for the Lakers is the ability to maintain identity. I think that's the, what this uh, battle of this series is going to be. Who is going to be able to impose their identity on the face of this series more? To your point, I mean, Anthony Davis needs to be the best big man on the floor and he may be the only big man on the floor which is something he's been reluctant to do at times and I think in this series it's more important than ever to be able to take advantage of his size his athleticism his strength and all of the gifts that he has uh, but I'll ask you this because this is something you and I have discussed even recently on my radio show in LA about the Lakers potential struggles against teams that like to play four and five out what are your thoughts on this matchup? Because they're definitely going to be five guys around the perimeter. How do the Lakers stack up in that regard? Yeah, that's the imposing of identity thing I was talking about. The idea is that if you look at the Lakers, the games they lost or were close losses for them during the regular season, particularly uh, from March and before, is any team that spread the floor, any team that had five guys on the perimeter, either their big was a three-point shooter or their big was a guy who initiates a lot of offense from the top. When they did that, the Lakers really struggled. They didn't want, their bigs don't want to leave the paint. They couldn't play really Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee. They're forced to play Anthony Davis at the five is a position that he doesn't quite like. And when they go small like that, with Davis at the five and Kuzma at the four, they got outplayed a bunch of times by some of these smaller teams. So if Houston is able to trick the Lakers into playing small to matching up with them, then I think Houston has the upper hand. However, if the Lakers can maintain their identity, say, well, no, we're going to play basketball the way it's always been played with two bigs on the floor, then I think they've got a great advantage over the Rockets. Jackie, you mentioned Zach Lowe's article on Harden hey. and the kind of the huge opportunity to kind of change the narrative and potentially take down LeBron and the Lakers and company. So what version of Harden do you expect to see in this series? Well, it's, it's got to be the Harden that scores 28, 30 points a game. They need that from him. But I do think it's interesting what Amin is discussing here in terms of whether Frank Vogel will blink and stick with his regular lineup, which gets Javel McGee minutes and Dwight Howard minutes and those guys, or if he does go small. So that's why even we talk a lot about Harden and Westbrook, the guy we should really be focusing on in this series is P.J. Yes. Tucker. Mm. He's the one that's gonna be trying to guard Anthony Davis. And, and we know he gives up size and all that, but PJ Tucker has proven to be very resilient in this role since they've gone small ball. Um, he's been a very central part to them. He benefited the most of anybody 
from this pandemic because he was exhausted just before we stopped play, yeah. and now he's rested up and ready to take on these big Jackie, films. I'll give you one, one really? more X-Factor name, a guy you know very well, Jeff Green. He's been playing mm -hmm. lights out. His ability yeah. at 6'9 to play as a he big has. but shoot threes as well as he has, that's a game changer for the Rockets as well. All right, coming up. I agree. Up. Jeff Green has had, I, I can't count how many plays. Oh, I'm sorry, George. We have a little <laughs> delay. But I was just going to say that Jeff Green, I, he's played, I can't count how many teams he's played for, and I get teased every time, Amin, and I think, this yep. is it. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> he's, okay, maybe not. <laughs> Hey, I'm just saying. Might be the one, I love Jeff Green personally. This might be the one. <laughs> you and everyone else in the NBA community. I hope it is. I like Jeff Green. He's a wonderful person. Yeah, but I, I do think that he may have found himself a nice home in in this particular uh, on this particular team for sure. All right, coming up next, you'll see our ESPN cover story on the projected number one pick in the upcoming NBA draft, Lamelo Ball. He's trying to step out of the shadows of his brother Lonzo and, of course, father Lavar. Stick around. We've got that coming up in just a second here on the Jump. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're going to sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. Remember to request your absentee ballot. For more information, visit IamAVoter.com. Just take another dribble and then throw G the hook pass. Finish it. There we go. LaMelo Ball is the most famous player in this year's NBA draft. Here we go, Melo. One stand up. But he also remains its biggest mystery. Let's get a photo. He went through a teenage experience that I would not want. LaMelo Ball is in the conversation for being the first pick in the NBA draft. The most hated high school athlete of all time. Some teams say, we don't want the headache. That's just my dream, man, to be number one pick, playing the NBA. If he were to actually be the number one pick in the NBA, That'd be a stunner, wouldn't it? I would clap, I would say hooray. Okay, let's do it. Now, LaMelo Ball is setting out to prove his talent measures up to his fame. Now turn around, look profile for me. Yup, that's dope. I'm Tim Kewen, and this is ESPN Cover Story. Let me see you jump high one hand. There you go. Two hand cut behind the head. This? Yes, hard. Go. I asked your dad what would have happened if one of his sons had said, Dad, I, I don't want to play basketball. I want to be a veterinarian. What do you think his response was? I ain't gonna lie. I think he would have looked you like dead in your eyes and just laughed, for real. Like, get the out of here, son. What are you talking about? Oh, that was good. What age could you tell Melo was built for this? At what age before he came out the womb? We put together a plan and 
and been working on it ever since they've been born. At Chino Hills High School in California, LaMelo's talent became obvious during an undefeated freshman season. And with three marketable brothers and a media-savvy father, the Big Baller brand was born. Definitely the brand is with me, you know? Like, it's something I had in the past. You know, I had my own shoe in high school. It's like stuff I'll never forget, like stuff I love. But that shoe called into question LaMelo's college eligibility. His father's solution? A move abroad to Lithuania, where at age 16, LaMelo became the youngest American ever to play professionally. What do you want to get accomplished while you're here? Uh, just to get better. Just came here to play basketball, that's it. There's no part of you that when you looked at college basketball or high school prom or any of that stuff that you felt you missed out? I ain't gonna lie, I wouldn't even went to prom. I just never was the type to go to stuff like that. Pretty much just do my own thing. As a young kid, I always knew my pop said, if you wanna be the best, you gotta sacrifice. So that's why I feel like I'm numb to stuff. LaMelo was playing against grown men in a foreign land. He struggled for playing time, averaging just six points and two assists in eight games. Was this worth it? Did this crash and burn? For LaMelo, uh, it, it wasn't very good. One former teammate described him as lazy and arrogant wasn't really engaged. With Lithuania, I learned a lot over there. Like, you don't really need nobody, man. Like, as soon as you're good with yourself, it don't really matter what nobody else say, you know? People's opinions not gonna affect me. Next stop on the global journey, Australia. For the first time without his father by his side, LaMelo set out to silence critics and build an NBA resume. He went from 5'11 when I was playing with him to about 6'7. Him going over there and having his own team, I think that's what helped him grow. You have got to be kidding me. Playing on his own terms, LaMelo caught the eye of NBA scouts. Despite playing just 12 games, in February, he was named Australia's NBL Rookie of the Year. I never lacked confidence. I feel like I was born with it, you know? I always feel I could just do anything. Take that, let's go slams. 10 slams, let's go. Seven, eight, nine, 10, good, here we go. Boom. This unconventional global journey is expected to end with LaMelo becoming the second ball brother chosen in the top five picks. He's 18 years old. He has a style of play to where he don't got to play like every other point guard. He got a style of play that's so unique to where he makes everybody go. 
Once drafted, LaMelo Ball knows his game will finally have to speak for itself. He didn't take the traditional route, so not everybody has seen him. You can even tell through the highlights, he's definitely a special talent. As you look back on all these years striving to get to this point, how does it feel now? Feel amazing, man, you know, looking back on all the work you did. But right when you get drafted, I feel like that's when my life starts. It's not like you get to the league and then, oh, I made it. Nah, now life finally started. Does this place look haunted? No, I don't think so. What about those two creepy girls? Come stay with us. That is truly frightening. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's great service. With Geico, you get 24-7 access to licensed agents. Uh, thank you, creepy girls. Want to see our room? Mm, we're gonna sleep in the car now. Happy Geico-ween. Switch today for 24-7 access to licensed agents. This season on The Neighborhood. Hey! How about I mow your lawn? You touch my lawn and I'll just wash your car every morning. You copy my outfit? You copy my outfit? I can help with that. Is there something going on with the neighbor? Oops. NBA Playoffs on ESPN and ABC brought to you by State Farm. Remember to request your absentee ballot. For more information, visit IamAVoter.com. The Jump is brought to you by Dos Equis, a most interesting beer. Please enjoy responsibly. Sunday, we'll have two more NBA playoff games on ABC, ESPN Deportes, and the ESPN app. NBA Countdown begins our coverage at 3 Eastern. Then it's Bucks Heat Game 4. The Countdown crew is back at 8. Get you ready for Game 2 of the West Semis between the Rockets and the Lakers. It's crunch time here on the jump. John Morant was named Rookie of the Year Thursday. Here 99 out of 100 first place votes. Zion was atop that one, still anonymous ballot. Josh said in response to that one voter, I want to shoot them a direct message and thank them for giving me motivation. The Grizzlies' Twitter account wasn't as gracious, posting good morning to everyone except that one out of 100. You know who you are. Jackie, is it as preposterous to believe that Zion was uh, the top rookie of this season? Is it preposterous? Let me just tell you, I am one of those voters. And as Shaggy says, it wasn't me, okay? It wasn't me. I voted for John Morant. And I'm just being real with you. Here's the thing. Zion is tremendous. He captured all of our attention, but he played 24 games. And meanwhile, John Morant played a full season, averaged 18 points, seven plus assists, and was fantastic for a young Memphis Grizzlies team. I don't understand ja this. Jackie. I he was, he, he, to me, it was the obvious Jackie, choice. I was so scared I left Zion off my ballot altogether. Wow. To make sure <laughs> nothing got mixed up there. <laughs> All right, well, we'll move on. We've been seeing great video of the players' families during games showing their support. 
The league sent a list of guidelines to teams outlining what hey, is Mariah. and is not allowed inside the bubble and during games. Amin, should we expect everyone to be on their best behavior in the bubble? Yes, with the caveat that sometimes people's emotions kind of rise up in these moments and they might yell something. But I think for the most part, it's not going to be anything egregious because everybody knows the deal. Everyone knows also you can be removed and, and have those privileges revoked. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've been trying to figure out what is the worst job in the bubble, and I know what it is. It's the player's guest liaison that's in charge of all these families yeah. to make sure they do everything they're supposed to do, to not go to places they're not supposed to go, to not have their kids run onto the court, to not yell at one another, to not to get mad at the rest. You know something's going to happen. Come on. It's human nature. It's human only, nature. Yep, it's emotions, and they run wild sometimes, for sure. Hey, let's take a second here to talk about Heat head coach Eric Spolstrup. He's currently tied for the second longest tenured coach in the NBA with Rick Carlisle in Dallas and behind Greg Popovich, who's at the top. Amongst those in the NBA community, Spo has widely been considered a top five coach in the game. However, to casual fans, the echoes have been out there about his success mostly coming when he coached LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Because, you know, there's so many examples of winning without superstars. Nonetheless, over the last six <laughs> years, since his last finals appearance, <laughs> the basketball aficionados have seen him get the most out of his rosters that have left uh, a lot to be desired at times. Then came this season and these playoffs. Pat Riley found Spo a top 15 player to be the leader of his team in Jimmy Butler. Butler, known to test his teammates and coaches alike, tried that with Spolster during training camp. After that, then Butler went back to his associates and said, quote, he's the best coach I've ever had. From there on, star and coach fully aligned. Between Spolster's incredible acumen and the Heat's development program and some shrewd deals, Miami found itself outperforming expectations again. Let's not forget, of all the coaches that have coached at least 100 playoff games in NBA history, Eric Spolstra has the fourth best winning percentage behind Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson, and Billy Cunningham. That includes a better winning percentage than his mentor, Pat Riley. Also, we saw Jimmy Butler tell our Rachel Nichols recently that he believes that he can win a championship. His coach also believes that because that's the standard he helped create. Again, star and coach fully aligned. Fast forward to today, where Miami has a 2-0 lead on the best team in the league, and they've made the reigning MVP look mortal. It's no surprise in Miami, simply because if you're sleeping on Spo, you just don't know. Switching gears to the other side, Giannis is widely expected to be named MVP for the second straight season, but he might have the dubious honor of accepting the MVP after getting bounced out of the playoffs if he can't bring the Bucks down from an 0-2 deficit. Jackie, do you expect to see an MVP per performance from Giannis in Game 3 tonight? I do, and I think Giannis is prepared to do that. I think you'll see him play big minutes. I know that uh, Mike Budenholzer was a little uh, careful with him. I don't think that'll happen. I think Giannis is going to go out and play 40-plus minutes. But here's the one problem that Giannis has, and I've always said this about great big men. He's not the guy that can rely on getting his own shot. Someone has to get him the ball, and that's why he needs help from his teammates. You can't double and tipple, uh, triple team Giannis if the other players on the court are hitting shots to make you pay for that. So I think it's a little unfair to put it all on Giannis, even though I know that's how it works in our climate. I, don't, I think that Giannis 
is going to perform well, but he needs the other guys to perform with him or it won't matter. Yeah, you know, George, first of all, didn't he have an MVP performance in game two? 29 points, 10 of 18 from the field, 14 rebounds, and a foul away from winning the game. If they had won that game, would we talk about Giannis had a bad game? We wouldn't. But the reality is, life isn't easy for him because the Miami Heat make it difficult. And that's a lot of it has to do with how Bud is using him. Got to use him on the wing. Got to get him off the ball. He can't just dribble up and bowl his way through these guys because Miami's too good. And they've got four guys who are all 6'8", 6'9", and strong as heck that can move as quick as, as Giannis. And Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, Jake Crowder, and, of course, Andre Iguodala. We only have about 30 seconds left here in the show. But, I yeah, mean, you know, I'm sorry, Jackie. Would, I, would, I would add to this. He's got to play him more, too. 36 minutes isn't enough, right, Jackie? Yeah, and they and they will play him more. But the 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 thing about the Bucks is this is just a nightmare matchup for them playing the Miami Heat because the well, one thing we know about the Bucks was they basically didn't bother to guard the three point line. They sort of made that one of their concessions. And and as you know, the Miami Heat thirty eight percent shooting from the three point line all year. This is just a bad matchup for the Bucks. Jackie Mack, Hall of Famer. Thank you so much, Amin. Thank you as well. All right, we are out of time for this week. The Jump returns Monday at 3 Eastern on ESPN. Have a great weekend. See ya. Mom, I think this doll I found in the attic is cursed. No, its eyes are just very lifelike. Then why does its head keep spinning? Be my friend forever. Oh, that is scary. You know what's really scary? Missing out on Geico's easy-to-use mobile app. You can manage your Geico policy whenever, wherever, wherever. Let's play with another doll. Or we can just bury it deep in the ground. Happy Geico-ween. Download the industry-leading Geico app today.